So how about that big next wave in Miami Hurricanes football recruiting? Has it already started or are we not even in it yet? You are Locked on Canes, your daily podcast on the Miami Hurricanes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Alex Dono, your host. I'm a University of Miami alumnus and longtime South Florida sports radio vet. And thank you so much for making Locked On Canes your first listen every day. We are available free wherever you get your podcasts and available free on YouTube. I always have a little extra pep in my step now that fall camp is underway. And hey, every day I do an episode, we are a day closer to September 3rd when your Miami Hurricanes will open up the season against Bethune-Cookman. Uh, so a lot of good stuff going on, guys, in fall camp. We're going to talk some recruiting in this episode. We're going to do some Q&A. So something that was uh, noted by Matt Shodell of Kane Sport that I love, uh, and the media doesn't get to watch a whole lot of practice. They get to watch a very limited window, which conveniently ends up being mostly stretching and some walkthroughs. Uh, but I thought Shodell made a good note that leading the warm-ups meaning the player who's at the front of every line, Gil Frierson, to Corey Couch, Corey Flagg, Wayman Steed, Jordan Miller, and Jafari Harvey. And he says, this is not a reflection of the depth chart, but typically the guys in the front of the lines are viewed as team leaders. So you start to get the sense of who some of the leaders are and uh, and hopefully, you know, whether or not they're the most talented players on all those units, because I, I certainly don't expect necessarily those, you know, flag and steed to be the starting linebackers, for example, whether or not they end up being the starters in that unit. It's still nice to know that the leaders are getting an opportunity to kind of come to the forefront. And then, you know, another thing that's been noted about practice when you look through the early periods and the warm up periods, the position coaches are very communicative and hands-on they greet every single player on the roster that's 110 guys all get greeted personally by their position coaches and get encouraged I know that that's not a big thing that's kind of a little thing but it's a great thing to see so this time of year we like to mix in what's happening now in terms of preparations for the season to start and also, what's cooking for the class of 2023 and beyond? Because recruiting never stops, man. It is a constant grind. So I wanted to give you guys a bit of a progress report on recruits that the Miami Hurricanes are still after. Now, I asked the question at the top, uh, are we already in the second wave, the next wave that Mario Cristobal talked about a couple weeks ago? Or some people think the next wave hasn't even started yet. I think the wave has started. I think we're in it. I think we're in it right now. I think, you know, Malik Bryant, Tommy Kinsler, Connor Liu, who just uh, committed, uh, I think, on Friday evening. I think that's the start of the next wave that we've been talking about. I don't think the next wave is over. Uh, I do think at this point late in the summer, it's going to slow down a little bit just in terms of landing verbal commits because... You know, this is maybe uh, just an estimate on my part. Maybe you've got about seven to ten spots left open for class of 2023 recruits. And we're also getting to the time of year where the season starts in less than three weeks. So a lot of the players who haven't committed yet probably want to watch a few games, at least before they make a commitment. I know that's the case with Christopher Johnson 
the four-star running back. I know it's the case with Damari Brown, the four-star corner. They have both said they want to see Miami play some games before they make a decision. Those are a couple of the guys that Miami is still after. Other recruits that the Hurricanes are still after at this point, uh, for months, maybe longer than months, we've been on Ruben Bain watch. Four-star defensive lineman out of Miami Central. He's a Miami legacy. Uh, he's been playing as an edge rusher. I think he could move inside uh, to defensive tackle. Uh, he's not announced anything. He's not even announced when he's announcing. Miami is still the favorite. Still the favorite for Reuben Bain and for a Canes legacy. You would hate to see him go somewhere else. Um, it is my understanding that the Alabama Crimson Tide are also after him. So with his recruitment still being open, I don't think you can call this one a sure thing. Right or a slam dunk. We always say there are no slam dunks in recruiting, but Miami does continue to be in constant communication with Bain, and they continue to be considered the leader. And as far as actual official predictions go, all six of Reuben Bain's 24-7 crystal balls point to Miami, and the on-three prediction machine has him over 91% to the Hurricanes. We know those things can change especially if he's going to take longer to make his final announcement. Um, obviously, with a player like this, there have been some rumors and reports in recent months that he may be a quote-unquote silent commit to Miami already. I don't know if that is or isn't the case, but the Hurricanes are still favored for him. Another guy we've been watching for a while because it was, I think, uh, almost exactly a month ago that the crystal ball started to come in for this player to pick Miami, and he just hasn't announced yet. And that's five-star offensive tackle Samson Okunlola from Massachusetts, Brockton, Mass. If Miami can close the deal for Samson, this would be probably the greatest offensive line class the Hurricanes have ever had. It's like they keep rolling in. I mean, within the last week, week and a half, we've got Connor Liu, who's an excellent center. And real quick on Connor Liu, a lot of folks responded to us when we did our episode about him on Friday. Because I referred to him on the episode and in the episode title, I referred to Connor Liu as a three-star center. And then a lot of people were writing in, he's a four-star, four-star, four. Why are you downgrading this guy? Um, I should have at least mentioned the fact that 24-7, their class ranking does have him as a four-star. But since most of the recruiting services rank Connor Liu as a three-star, and I think that's underrated, I think he's a four-star if you ask me, since most of the services have him as a three-star, he's a composite three-star, which is the more official thing. It's all semantics, right? So for those who were like yelling at me, why did you call him a three-star? Okay, so one major recruiting service has him a four-star, which is where I have him personally. The others have him as a three-star, so that's how he averages. You know, just don't, don't shoot the messenger. Uh, I will call him a four-star from now on. How about that? Uh, but yeah, I would love to get Samson Okunlola. Uh, he is predicted is Samson to Miami at over 95% to uh, the U on on three. And he's got three crystal balls at 24-7. All three of them have him going to Miami, including the Grim Reaper, Steve Wiltfong. So uh, hopefully Miami can close on Samson. And through Okunlola, we've had mixed reports for the last few weeks. Some reports have said he wants to announce in the summer and, you know, not a whole lot of time left in the summer. Other reports say he's going to take his time and wait until some point during the season. Maybe that's how it's going to play out for him. So if he does take his time, that's going to give other universities a chance to get more into his recruitment. Because if he were to announce right now, 
I strongly believe he announces Miami, but the more time that ticks by, the more opportunities others will have. Here's one to keep an eye on. We haven't talked a whole lot about him on this show, but I think we need to start talking about him uh, on the uh, on the defensive line and edge rusher. Damon Wilson from Venice, Florida. He's the fifth-ranked edge rusher in the class of 2023. He's a five-star player, and we need to start maybe turning our eyes more to Damon Wilson now that Samuel Mapemba from IMG uh, is getting crystal balled left and right to Georgia, that he may end up in Georgia. So Damon Wilson is one that we may start to look at a lot more. Uh, for Damon Wilson, Alabama and Georgia are both considered ahead of Miami in the on-three tracker. Uh, he does not have any crystal balls anywhere on 24-7. Uh, the on-three tracker gives Bama a 51% chance with Miami currently at under 6%. Of course, this is all fluid. This can all change. Um, so, yeah, we all we wanted all the IMG guys, but if it looks like Mapemba is going somewhere else, maybe Damon Wilson from the other side of Florida because that's where Venice is. Venice is on the, uh, the west coast of Florida. I'm an East Coast guy. I don't get out to the uh, to the Gulf Coast very often, but I think that's where Venice is. Uh, but Damon Wilson and uh, our our uh, our guy D Money at uh, Kane Sport wrote a little bit about him in his most recent uh, ATM or bank article. You know that he he wants us to keep an eye on Damon Wilson. So I am going to do that. Miami is also still strongly recruiting the top defensive tackle in the class. David Hicks from Katy, Texas. Um, you know, Miami is believed to be a long shot here with Texas A&M looking firmly in the lead, but I know Hicks has been around. He's visited before. I know the coaching staff is very active with him. He's that sort of new breed of physically strong, not overly heavy, quick defensive tackle. Um, you know, he would be he would be one of the coups of the class if Miami could land him, but Texas A&M is in the lead there. Uh, you know, a weird one in recent weeks, and I just think he is not getting as much interest from maybe Miami and Florida State as he thought he would be, and that's four-star wide receiver William Foles. That's been an interesting one. Um, there's been a lot of buzz, and maybe I'm wrong about this, but it looks as though Miami might not be that into him. Uh, the suspicion is he's not a take. He might not have a firm offer from Miami or even a firm offer from Florida State because I think if he had a firm offer from one of those two, he would have announced by now. He keeps pushing his commitment back. Uh, he's trying to figure out, I think, where he actually has a spot. Uh, for example, the other day, I think this was either Sunday or Monday, he tweeted out, I'm calm, but next week it's up, he said. So usually like when someone has to tell you they're calm, it maybe means they aren't actually calm. So Foles, I like uh, out of Dade Christian. He's really big. He's got good size, good hands. Um, he's I think six foot four. You know, a little bit of. Uh, I don't think he's as fast as Colby Young, but kind of a similar profile to Colby Young, who Miami just brought in uh, as a transfer, who's going to be able to play this year. So I like Foles, but I don't know. Maybe maybe Miami doesn't like Foles as much as I do, or maybe Miami has backed off with Foles because they think they can get someone even better. Um, another one where there's a lot of smoke. We'll see what happens. Five-star wide receiver Jurion Dickey, who is committed to Oregon, verbally committed. The Hurricanes are after him, though. Miami has not stopped recruiting him, 
as you all know, he was here at the barbecue. Um, you know, another note uh, that I saw from D Money is that Jerry on Dickey, he's starting his own fishing channel on YouTube. He's he's he fit he fishes constantly. And listen, I, I'm just throwing this out there. I know that one of our YouTube commenters, I think it's Eric D. Like every time we talk about Jerry on Dickey, he gets very angry because he's like, you can fish anywhere. You don't have to live in Miami to fish. You can fish anywhere, anywhere there's a puddle or a lake or a stream. You can fish. He doesn't have to live in Miami, but come on, man. Would you, if someone wants to run a fishing channel and I'm sure he's going to get it monetized, he can make money off of it now with the age of NIL. Would you rather watch somebody's fishing channel from South Florida or would you rather watch a fishing channel from Eugene, Oregon? I'm just, I'm just throwing that out there. I think the fishing channel in South Florida would do a little bit better than the fishing channel out in the middle of freaking nowhere. And they actually, they have, they have winter in Oregon. So aren't there some months where, is he going to ice fish some months? Actually, not going to lie, I probably would watch him ice fish. So nah, maybe the channel would work over there. Uh, but Miami has not stopped recruiting Jerry on Dickey. And there seems to be there seems to be some smoke there that there could be something going on. Other wide receivers that Miami has not stopped recruiting. They are still recruiting Andy Jean. That's been uh, you know confirmed by pretty much anyone in the recruiting space. Four-star wide receiver from Miami Northwestern, even though he verbally committed to Florida a couple weeks back. The Hurricanes have not given up on Andy Jean. Uh, and that goes both ways, right? Hurricanes are still recruiting guys that are committed to other schools. Other schools are still recruiting guys who are verbally committed to Miami. You have to fight those battles on two fronts. You're trying to steal players from other teams. They're trying to steal players from you. Uh, Five-star wide receiver Hakeem Williams from Fort Lauderdale Stranahan. Uh, Miami's still recruiting him. He's trending heavily to Texas A&M. Uh, I've never really gotten great vibes about Miami's shot at Hakeem Williams. Uh, maybe we do has a shot, though. Is, uh, I think he said that he wants to make an official visit to Miami, so hopefully we do get an OV from him. If we don't, that's not a good sign, although Raul Aguirre never made an official visit to Miami. He's still committed to Miami, so you never know with this stuff. Uh, the Hurricanes are recruiting several safeties who are verbally committed elsewhere, as we reported last week. So I'm going to run through those quickly because we talked about them on an episode last Thursday, I think. And, you know, Miami has to step up their recruitment, I think, for other safeties because Jaden Bonzu, who was at one time trending to Miami, is trending heavily now towards Ohio State. He's going to make an August 14th announcement. So I think we're going to miss out on Bonzu, but... There are so many great safeties right in our backyard in South Florida. And like a bunch of guys are committed to Penn State. Uh, King Mack from St. Thomas Aquinas, who's uh, he's the number eight ranked safety in the entire country. He's ranked higher than Bonzu is. Different players, right? Bonzu is more of a more of a heavy hitter. Uh, but King Mack is committed to Penn State, but Miami is still recruiting him. They'll try to flip him. Um, Conrad Hussey is another local kid, St. Thomas Aquinas, same high school, also committed to Penn State, and Miami's still recruiting him as well. He's the 25th-ranked safety in the class, according to the 24-7 composite. And another local kid, uh, Damon Fagan from American Heritage, another excellent safety, four-star. All three of these guys are four-star guys. He's committed verbally to North Carolina State. Miami is going to try and flip him as well. So the Hurricanes are still looking at a a trio of safeties committed elsewhere who could potentially take the spot that they were probably thinking of giving Jaden Bonsu in this class. All right, when we come back, I want to do some Q&A because you guys have been so awesome this week. 
Uh, I was asked for my power ranking of all 12 Miami opponents this year. Spoiler, I think a couple of these are going to piss you guys off a little bit with my power ranking of Miami's opponents. You know what's never going to piss you off? LinkedIn Jobs. Oh, they are doing amazing things getting you connected with the right candidates to hire, my friends. You want to make sure you are taking advantage of this if you are a small business owner, okay? LinkedIn Jobs helps you gear up for fall. You need the right people on your team to help your small business fire on all cylinders. They are here to make it easier for you to find the people you want to talk to faster and for free. Create a free job post in minutes on LinkedIn Jobs to reach your network and beyond to the world's largest professional network of over 810 million people. Then you add your job with the purple hiring hashtag frame to your profile to spread the word that you're hiring so your network can help you find the right people to hire. That's the magic of the network. And then simple tools like screening questions make it easier to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Did you know every week nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn? Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. That's linkedin.com slash college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Thank you so much for making Locked on Canes your first listen today. We are available free wherever you get your podcasts and available free on YouTube. So I was asked by Dominic on YouTube, what is your power ranking, he asked me, for Miami's opponents this coming season? Well, I have compiled my ultimate power ranking for Miami opponents. I'm going to go to keep the suspense going because we all know Bethune-Cookman's number 12. I'm going to start at number 12, 12 regular season opponents, and work my way up to number one, the toughest, okay? Number 12, Bethune-Cookman. I don't know what the spread is or if there's even a spread. Miami should win this game by 50 points. If they don't, even, you know, rotating second, third, fourth teamers in, then something's off. So hopefully uh, hopefully the Hurricanes don't suffer any injuries in that game. And hopefully they give a lot of guys deep on the depth chart playing time because that's what that game is all about. Uh, number 11 on my, on my list is actually Miami's second opponent, and that's Southern Miss. So number 10... They're in the same conference with Southern Miss, Conference USA. I think they're in the other division of it. I'm going to go Middle Tennessee at number 10. I don't know a lot about either of those teams, Middle Tennessee or Southern Miss, but Middle Tennessee had a, a slightly better season last year than Southern Miss, so I'll give them the edge. All right, now we get into the meat and potatoes. We get into ACC Coastal, ACC, and you know, out-of-conference better opponents. Number nine on my power ranking, making this, in theory... The easiest ACC game on the schedule this year, I'm going to go with Duke. Duke, number eight. And honestly, I rank them low because they're bad. But this could end up being a trap game or a landmine game is what I like to call it. Because this game is right between Florida State and Clemson. So if you're due for like a letdown game... You know, between, you know, your big rivalry game and your toughest conference game of the year, Georgia Tech falls right in the middle of those dates. So watch out for that one, okay? Number seven and number six, I've got the two schools from the state of Virginia. I go Virginia Tech at number seven, 
Virginia number six. I give them the edge uh, for two reasons. Charlottesville playing there has been a house of horrors for the Canes over the years. Really, since Al Golden, that's been a, a cursed ground, Charlottesville. Miami always has terrible luck up there. And Brennan Armstrong's a good quarterback. So I think that that's uh, that's tougher to me than the Virginia Tech game. So, man, this is what's going to piss you guys off. I've got Florida State in the top five. Ah, I mean, Miami's going to be favored probably um, by double digits in that game. And it's a home game this year, unlike the road game where Miami should have won, but they blew it last year but you know Florida State Florida State to me almost always will be in top five toughest opponents because with these rivalry games you know Miami did beat them 52 to 10 a couple of years ago I haven't forgotten about that but in these rivalry games you can you can oftentimes throw the records out the window throw the expectations out the window so I do think Florida State will be a top five number five tough game this year then I go UNC number four um, you know, I'd be even more worried about this game if it was last couple of years because this one's coming off a bye week. And, you know, like Manny Diaz, the bye week was Miami's toughest opponent every year. Did, did the Hurricanes ever win a game coming off a bye week under Manny Diaz? At least at least now, hopefully, the different staff brings a different mojo. But UNC, number four. Then I go Pittsburgh, number three. And that is the final game of the year. And it might very well decide who plays for the ACC championship. So I think that that game is very strategically placed on the schedule. And I certainly think that both teams are going to have a lot of pressure going into it. Uh, Miami's done pretty well against Pittsburgh in recent years, including last year. Miami beat them, even though Pitt went on to win the conference. But I'm going to go with that as the number three toughest game. Then, okay, number two and number one. This was difficult because the Hurricanes have a couple of very tough road games this year. I went with Clemson at number two and Texas A&M at number one. I think Clemson's getting maybe a little bit too much hype heading into this season to completely bounce back and shrug off last year like it was nothing. They Miami has a more certain quarterback situation than Clemson does. And also there's something about going into Kyle Field, even though Miami did win there. They did win at College Station Long time ago, none of these players were there, of course. Uh, under Randy Shannon, I think it was 2008, Miami did go into Texas A&M and get a win against Mike Sherman. But, you know, Texas A&M better now than they were then. And uh, it's an early season road trip, so we're not going to know who Miami really is yet at that time. I'm going to go with Texas A&M as the toughest game. Do you guys agree? My, uh, Do you put Texas A&M or Clemson as the tougher opponent on Miami's schedule. I give the slight edge to Texas A&M. I know the preseason rankings do have Clemson ranked a couple spots ahead of Texas A&M. So do you guys agree or disagree with that? You can reach out to us on Twitter, day or night, at Locked on Canes. If you follow us, we will follow you back. All right, so I want to do a little bit more Q&A here on the other side. Oh, man, this is a great question that came in. We're going to answer this when we come back. Juan asks us, outside of Tyler Van Dyke, which Miami Hurricane player has the most pressure to perform this season? That's a good one. We're going to answer it right after this. You're listening to or watching Locked on Canes, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much for making Locked on Canes your first listen today. We're available free wherever you get your podcasts. And we are available free on YouTube. So I think this is a great question. 
from Juan, and it's perfectly worded because he says, outside of Tyler Van Dyke, which player has the most pressure to perform this season? Because obviously, TVD, number one, he's the starting quarterback. He's the golden boy after having an unbelievable run last year, and he's projected to be a top 10 pick this coming season. Tyler Van Dyke has... And I think he loves it because I think he uh, he thrives under it, but he's got a lot of pressure coming into this year. I think the player with the next most pressure after TVD, I'm going to go with Zion Nelson, the starting left tackle. I mean, first of all, he just had minor procedure, cleaning up an old injury. So he's he's missing a little bit of time in camp. You know, hopefully he'll be fully ready to go by game one. Even if he's not ready to go by game one, you know, Miami has a couple of couple of free spaces before the season really begins. But he's already going to be a little bit behind the eight ball in preparation because of his minor injury. Uh, and yeah, Zion Nelson, there's pressure coming at him from every single direction. He's going to be the starting left tackle on a team that's making so many headlines and such high expectations with these Miami Hurricanes. He's protecting the blind side of one of the better quarterbacks in the entire country. And Zion Nelson, like Tyler Van Dyke, is being projected as a first-round draft pick next year. So that's a lot of pressure. And he's leading an offensive line that's got some talent, not a whole lot of depth. I mean, they're definitely like two or three capable rotational guys away from my, from where Mario Cristobal and Alex Mirabal wanted to be. But I, I would say I didn't have to think about it a whole lot. When I saw that question, I didn't think a whole lot about it uh, before saying Zion Nelson is the guy with the next amount of pressure. You guys tell me if you agree or disagree. Uh, I want to revisit something that we talked about on yesterday's episode. I want to make sure I make myself a little bit more clear on this because sometimes... When you talk really fast and when you have a lot on your mind, you leave things out. So we were looking on yesterday's episode at defensive improvements, right, on how I think Miami needs to get into the top 25, if not top 10, in turnover margin, right? Because last season, they only had 11 takeaways, not good enough. And the Miami Hurricanes, to me, they need to get into at least the top 25 in third down defense, that those are the big things in today's college football. Everyone's going to give up yards. Everyone's going to give up points because it's just high octane. But you need to make the timely stops and the takeaways. These are game-changing plays. The Hurricanes last year on third down, 77th in the country. They let opponents convert nearly 40% of their third down tries last year. That has to get significantly better. It, get, it gets better, I think, through discipline and tackling and, yes, talent. Because that was one of the things I didn't bring up yesterday that everyone's like, hey, talk about the transfers. Talk about the transfers. Because, yeah, like organically, guys who didn't transfer, who are just here, you know, Miami's got some like playmakers that are ready to burst off the page. Because James Williams going to his sophomore year, I think he's going to be one of the best safeties in the country this year. Leonard Taylor, same thing, a defensive tackle heading into the sophomore year. The guy's a freaking monster. But the other area where Miami improves their defense is through people like Caleb Johnson coming in to save the linebacker core, transferring in from UCLA. Agude on the defensive line, transferring from UCLA. Uh, Akeem Mesidor coming in, transferring from UCLA. Also, when I talk about returning talent, Tyreek Stevenson, I think, can be one of the best corners in the country. And the guy's like, I mean, he's huge for a corner. What is it, like 6'2", 6'3"? I love everything he brings to the table. Uh, and as far as transfer guys go... 
Another player I want to bring up, if you, you know, you watch and listen to a bunch of other Kane shows, and that's great. I love the content community. Uh, you don't hear a whole lot of the other guys talking about Daryl Jackson. We talk a lot about Daryl Jackson on this show, the six foot six defensive tackle who transferred in from Maryland. He's viewed as a little bit more of a project, a little bit more of a raw talent, clay that needs to be molded. But, bros, when Joe Salavea and company finish molding Daryl Jackson, that guy is a unicorn. Over 300 pounds, six foot six, can leap like I don't know, I don't know what his vert is, but it's crazy. The reach is the is that of a seven footer. That guy is going to be a weapon on your defensive line for years to come because he's got three more years of eligibility left. So yeah, transfers can help it a lot. We got a lot more to talk about this week. We'll talk more recruiting. We'll talk more fall camp progress, and we'll talk about why some bozo publication thinks that the Miami Hurricanes are the most likely college football team to disappoint their fans this year. Ah, the hate. The hate never stops. Thank you so much for making us a part of your day today, and make sure you make Locked on ACC your second listen. Host Candace Cooper and the local experts take you across the ACC in 30 minutes. Make Locked on ACC your second listen. Thank you for making us your first. We will talk to you again tomorrow on another episode of Locked on Canes. We are part of the awesome Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day.